to C3 Church Hepburn Heights. We believe Jesus Christ gives life to the full and we are called to live it and share it. We pray you enjoy this message today. Good evening church, it's so great to be here tonight and I'm super excited to launch this brand new series, Jesus Praise. Now like any good burger requires bacon, right? And any good, yeah, preach, any good... Uh, any good action movie needs Denzel Washington. Any good relationship requires communication. As communication grows in a relationship, so too the relationship can grow. Whether it's a marriage relationship or a parent-child relationship between colleagues or friends, communication is important in every single relationship. Now as a dad, it's really interesting the types of conversation and communication I have with my three kids who are at various stages of their development. With my two and a half year old Lucy, our communication is is very much at a statement level. As Lucy is establishing herself as an active member of our family and she wants to let us know that she's capable of doing stuff now. She tells me these things a lot in a very matter-of-fact way. She says things like this, Daddy, this is my apple. It's not yours, it's mine. Daddy, I'm a ballerina. That that was really bad. She didn't learn that from me. Daddy, I'm watching Wild Kratts right now on Netflix. She has watched that show at nauseam, hasn't she? Daddy, my baby and my doggy, they're in bed right now, okay? So just be quiet. They're in bed, okay? So be quiet very much at a statement level. With my seven-year-old daughter, Beth, we communicate through her asking me a lot of questions. I love how she's just interested in what I'm doing. A lot of the time, this happens at the dinner table over a meal, and she asks things like, hey, how, was, how was work today, Dad? What did you do? Did you enjoy it? What did you have for lunch? Why is it always, you know, what, what I'm eating? <laughs> Does she see me eat all the time? I don't know. <laughs> was it yummy, Dad? <laughs> <laughs> With my son Harrison, he's, he's 10, year old, 10 years old now. Communication is a little more interesting. Anyone have any 10-year-old boys? Yes. They, we need to do a little bit more groundwork when it comes to boys to get them to open up. And so we're driving home from church last Sunday, and I'm just asking these questions. How was church? Good. What did you do? Not much. Uh, we did this, we did praise and worship, we had morning tea, and we did the memory verse game. Oh, cool, what's the memory verse? I don't know. <laughs> I later found out that it was Scott Baton who did the memory verse game, so he probably needs to up his game. Anyway, um, <laughs> and then we talk about footy and, and then iPad games. He's into Clash Royale on the, on the iPad at the moment, and and then I ask him, what are your friends into at the moment? You know, what kind of games are they like playing? And they're like, he's like Fortnite. It's all they ever talk about. I feel a little bit left out because I don't play Fortnite. And then he starts talking about, yeah, there's this boy, this boy at school and he's not really nice to other people who have a different opinion to him. And one day this week, uh, he, he actually put someone down with, you know, with his words and, and I actually stood, in, I stood up for this kid. I'm like, wow, that escalated really quickly. We went from me asking you questions and you not wanting to answer me to you actually opening up and talking about how you did the right thing. Three different relationships with three different styles and levels of maturity and depth of communication. 
Now, the content of every level of communication is important, but what is most important is that we are communicating, that there is an open door, a way through to have a level of communication. It's the same with every other relationship. Creating space for communication in a relationship, it can actually lead to a deeper level of communication, a deeper level of maturity in that communication, and therefore a deeper level of, of growth in that relationship. And it's the same with God. As followers of Jesus Christ, our communication with Him is called prayer. And it's vital. Prayer is vital to our connection and our relationship with Him. And what I've found, the crazy thing about prayer is it can take many forms. Here's some of the prayers that I've prayed. I've prayed prayers of anger, of anguish, of obligation, of thankfulness, of pleading, prayers of just filling time, prayers that are well thought out, prayers of joy, prayers of hope, of strength, of storming hell, of waiting, of desperation, prayers of welcoming His presence, of revelation, Prayers on the run, prayers going through the motions, prayers that take my breath away, prayers of clear direction, of closeness, of intimacy, of silence, prayers of just doing the right thing, prayers of need, prayers of routine, prayers that are turbo prayers, prayers that are repetitive. I've prayed the rugged and the ridiculous prayers. I've prayed the persistent and the downright pathetic prayers. I'm sure maybe some of us have prayed those as well. (laughs) What we pray is important. When and how we pray is important. What is of utmost importance is that we pray. Pastor Phil Pringle at the National Conference a couple of weeks ago, he said the culture of prayer, to have a culture of prayer in our life, it's more important than the content of prayer. That we have a culture of prayer in our lives is of utmost importance because as Pastor Phil went on to say, he says the culture of our lives as Christians and influencers is actually created in prayer. Prayer is important. Pastor and author E.M. Bounds, he sets prayer apart as significant when he writes, no learning can make up for the failure to pray. To pray. No earnestness, no diligence, no study, no gifts will supply its lack. Prayer is important. Timothy Keller writes, prayer brings perspective, shows the big picture, gets you out of the weeds and reorients reorients you to where you really are. Prayer is important. Prayer is important because it's our connection point to God. It's the pathway to intimacy and closeness to Him and His purpose for our lives. Prayer is important because it's about relationship. And it's in this relationship that the process of sanctification, the process for you and I of being made more like Jesus, it's where it takes place. Why then, if prayer is so important, is it such a struggle at times? Why is it such a wrestle for us as followers of Jesus to pray? I want you to think about your last seven days. Think about your moments of time with God. Your times of prayer, your, your times of devotion. Just have a quick snapshot back at the last seven days. Maybe they were full of prayer those days. Maybe they were few. I want you to think right now about those moments that you had with God and think about the, the quality of those moments. Were they moments of deep connection? Were they all moments where you had that deep sense of God's in the very room where you are well not so much 
it's probably fair to say that for the majority of us, our prayer moments last week weren't all flowing beautifully like a mountain stream with birds and harps and angels. There are many reasons why prioritizing prayer is such a wrestle for us. In this emotions are king society, we don't necessarily feel like praying. In these immediate results-driven times, we can feel let down and deflated when our prayers aren't answered straight away, and so we stop praying. In this sceptical climate that we live in, our doubt, our lack of faith in it actually working can create a barrier to prayer. In this individualistic culture, we think we have to do it all on our own, and asking for help would mean that we're not a good Christian. In this opinion-saturated environment, we we may have read or heard that there's a right way to pray and a wrong way to pray, and until we can get it right, we're not even going to start. And then there's our humanness. Then there's our flesh. That part of us that is full of pride. That part of us that tells ourselves, I'm good. I don't need to pray. I've got this sorted. Why do I need to pray? If we've had a good week, there's no need for prayer. If we've had an easy week, there's no worries for prayer. If we've had a difficult week, there's no hope for prayer. And if we've had a busy week, there's no time for prayer. It seems that everything can be stacked up against us to forging this culture of prayer in our lives. And so what can we do? Do we just throw our hands up and say, I'm giving up? Where do we go? Who do we turn to? Who can be our inspiration? The answer is pretty simple. Jesus. Jesus prays. Jesus prays. He prays all the time. He prays every day, in every season and moment and circumstance. He prays every type of prayer for every type of person. Jesus prays. He prayed whilst he was on this planet, and he prays now at the right hand of God. He prays for you and for I. And we may scoff and go, Ben. Of course he prays. He's God. He created prayer. He's into prayer. He, He prays. It's easy for him. Well, you're correct in saying that Jesus is God. 2,000 years of orthodox theology states that Jesus is God, that he's an equal member of God as Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The Bible actually backs you up that Jesus is God. When Jesus says himself, the Father and I are one. The Apostle John in chapter 1 of his gospel explains this revelation that God has given him about Jesus being the Word, the Logos, the purpose, the reason for life, who was there at the beginning, has always been, and he's eternal. This is all unpacked on the, on the Jesus page. We have a Jesus page on our church website. How cool is that? Not a Ben page, not a Joel page, close. We could have a Joel page, that would be pretty cool. We have a Jesus page, and it's kind of a summary of a preaching series that I was able to share last year. And so you can read that at any time. You can direct any friends who want to know more about Jesus to that page on our website. And so, okay, we've established that Jesus is God, right? But he still prays. Why? Why does Jesus still pray? Because he's also fully man. The Apostle Paul in Philippians 2, 6 to 11, 
He writes that Jesus is God who gives up those divine privileges of being God. He humbled himself by becoming a man, by being born as a human. Jesus is both fully God and fully man. And as a man, Jesus is fully dependent on his Father God. He is fully surrendered to his Father's will. He is obedient to his Father's purpose for his life, and he's fully focused on his relationship with Father God. Jesus took this humble position in order to serve humanity, in order to save humanity, and in order to represent humanity. Jesus represented you and I in a manger as a helpless baby. He represented you and I when he was baptized in water, fully identifying with a broken and sin-stained humanity. Jesus represented us when he went the extra mile to show love to the downtrodden, the outcast, those on the fringe. Jesus represented you and I on the cross as a perfect, unblemished sacrifice, covering and cleansing our sin once and for all. Jesus represented you and I in the resurrection as death was overcome and new life made available for everyone who follows him. And Jesus represented us in his prayer life. His utter reliance on Father God is a model and encouragement to you and I today. Jesus prays. And wherever we're at on our prayer journey, maybe we're flying high like the eagles, And our prayer life is absolutely humming. Or maybe our prayer life is stagnant and stale. Maybe we're just getting started in our prayer life. Maybe it's growing and developing. Maybe it's absolutely humming. Whatever our state is, my hope during this series is that you and I as God's people, we would rise with a fresh hunger, with a fresh faith in our hearts to prioritize prayer. That you and I would turn our worry and our anxiety into expectant prayer. That we would see the obstacles to intimacy with God. Sin, pride, doubt, disappointment. We would see those things dealt with. We would see those things removed. And so we would be able to realign our thoughts to his thoughts. We would be able to realign our purpose to his purpose as individuals, as a church community, and as the people of God who are meant to make a difference on this planet. Let's pray. God, let a passion rise in us afresh today. As this is a reminder of the importance of prayer. I pray for passion to rise to know you, a desire to hear from you and be led by you. I pray for revelation, God, to flow afresh in each one of our times with you. I pray, God, that there would be men and women, Lord, who would be able to push through every obstacle, every barrier to prayer and to make prayer a priority in our lives. Help us do this in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The scripture we're settling in for this three-week series is John 17. Just picture John 17 like your favorite couch at home and just settle in. Now this scripture and this series, it flows well from Pastor Jason's 10-week flourish series. How did he do 10 weeks? What an absolute legend. That 10-week flourish series could also be called Jesus Preachers. Because it unpacked Jesus' longest recorded sermon. This series is called Jesus Praise, and we'll unpack the longest recorded prayer of Jesus. Scholars have called this prayer the intercessory prayer. Intercession means to stand in the gap. 
It's also called the high priestly prayer. High priest is an Old Testament representation of someone again standing in the gap for the people of God. And it's really important before we read this scripture to see where John actually puts this scripture in relation to everything else that's happening. If we go back to John chapter 13, we we read that Jesus shares intimate moments with his disciples in the upper room in Jerusalem. He washes their feet. The last supper takes place. During this time, Jesus actually predicts his betrayal by Judas and his denial by Peter, two of the closest people in his world at the time. We move on to John chapter 14 and Jesus speaks comfort to his disciples. He reaffirms his purpose on this planet and he promises the coming of the Holy Spirit. As we move into John chapter 15, Jesus talks about remaining connected to God using the vine and branches analogy. In John chapter 16, Jesus reminds his disciples that they're going to go through trials, but their grief will turn to joy. We get to John 17 and Jesus prays, and we'll get back to that in, the mo- in a moment. But the chapter after, John chapter 18, after he prays, he leaves the city. He goes across the Kidron Valley, goes into the Garden of Gethsemane at the base of the Mount of Olives, and there again he prays. He's then betrayed. He's arrested. He's denied by Peter three times, and he's subject to a series of questioning and then a mockery of a trial. In John chapter 19, Jesus is crucified. He breathes his last breath. He dies and he's buried. And then in John chapter 20, Jesus rises from the dead and appears to his disciples, including Mary. And when we look in context, Jesus' prayer in John chapter 17 is at a pivotal moment. After this moment of intimacy with his disciples and at the beginning of his road to the cross, it just kind of reminds me that there's never a bad time to pray. At the end of John 16, the disciples are obviously really struggling to grasp what Jesus is telling them. And Jesus, being a great leader, he kind of just reads the room and he's like, okay, these guys are stressing out a bit. I need to say something. And in John 16:33, he says this, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. I love that. We can't find peace in the world. We can only find peace in Jesus. We won't find trouble in Jesus, but we will find trouble at times in the world. In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. And then we move into Jesus' prayer. And today we're going to look at the first part of this prayer, verses 1 to 5. He prays for himself. In week two, we're going to look at the part where Jesus prays for his disciples. And then week three, we'll finish by looking at the part where Jesus prays for the church, the people of God who would come to know him. Are you ready to read John chapter 17, 1 to 5? Are you ready, church? After Jesus said this, he looked toward heaven and prayed, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son that your son May glorify you. For you granted him authority over all people, that he may give eternal life to all those you you have given him. Now, this is eternal life that they know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. 
I have brought you glory on earth by finishing the work you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world began. What can we take from the way Jesus prays here in these verses? What is Jesus saying to Father God that can help frame and build a culture of prayer in our lives? Well, number one, Jesus is saying, God, our relationship is most important. This prayer is bookended, this part of the prayer is bookended with Jesus calling God his Father. Jesus calls himself his Son. And there's this overwhelming sense of intimacy in the Father-Son relationship here. There's this sense of belonging, there's this sense of identity, of, of fresh focus, of strength coming through the connection. Jesus is totally dependent here on his relationship with Father God. And then in verse 5, we, we read that Jesus alludes to the longevity of this relationship before creation, a time when the Father and Son were face to face, a time that will come again soon. Prayer is about relationship with God. Now, I don't often receive clear statements or phrases from God in my prayer times, but one of the most common phrases I do hear God say to me in moments of prayer is, Ben, you are my son. It's in prayer that our identity is affirmed. It's in prayer that God's love is encountered. Us, above the asking for needs, above the questioning, why did this happen? Why hasn't that happened? Above the receiving of strength and wisdom and peace, prayer draws us into relationship with God, into the safe, secure, warm, nurturing arms of a heavenly father. Prayer is about relationship. Secondly, Jesus is saying, God, align me to your purpose in my life. Jesus says the hour has come. He was aware. He was aware of his purpose. And he was aware that this divine plan of redemption through him was at God's appointment. God ordains the times and moments. God's in control. There is a rhyme and a reason and an order to the way God works. You and I can trust God. We can trust Him. And it's in prayer that we learn to slow down, take a deep breath, not rush ahead of Him, and allow Him to order our next steps. I love how there's... 10 references in these five verses of either the word you or your. Jesus is saying here, God, it's not about my will. It's not about my plan. It's not about how I'm feeling. It's actually about you, God. It's actually about your glory, your plan, your purpose, your life, your love, your freedom in my world. Prayer aligns you and I to God's purpose for our lives. For Jesus, his purpose was that through him, they, us, humanity, would know God intimately. That is what true eternal life is, to know God intimately. And so when you and I come to God in prayer, 
our limited plans, our purpose in our own mind is swallowed up to his amazing plan, his amazing mission for our lives. It's so much bigger. It's so much better. And in prayer, we gain the courage in knowing that the outcome of that mission, the outcome of the purpose of our lives, it cannot fail. It will not fail because it's in our Father God's hands. Thirdly, Jesus is saying, God, be glorified in this situation. He prays, Jesus prays, that he would be glorified. Why? Because he wants to be the big man on campus? No, he says that he would be glorified so his father would be glorified. He wants God to get the honor in everything that he does. He wants God to get the praise. That's big picture kingdom thinking there. So whatever you and I are facing in life, whatever challenge, as we are bringing it before God in prayer, it's ultimately so that he would be elevated. Every provision, every healing, every relationship restored, every moment of wisdom and strength coming into our lives. It's for our benefit, absolutely. But more than that, it's so that our God would be lifted up. He would be revealed. He would be seen. He would be worshipped and praised. And so maybe the challenges and the hardships in our lives at the moment are actually opportunities for God to get the glory. I'm sure James wasn't that chuffed when he hit that dog on his motorbike. But God was glorified through it. His whole family discovered Christ. That is amazing. And I'm excited next week I'm going to share some examples of the power of prayer in the lives of some of the people in our church. I'm excited because I know that these stories, in elevating God, it's actually going to elevate God in our own lives and hearts. Jesus was saying, God, be glorified in this situation. And lastly, Jesus is saying, God, I need your help. (laughs) Come close. Come into this situation. I need you. He asked his father to glorify him. In this moment, he's talking about the cross. Not a crown. He's talking about the suffering he's about to encounter, about to step into. He is asking his father to get him through, to help him in his suffering, to lift him up. And in the lifting up of Jesus on that cross, that God the Father would ultimately be lifted up. Jesus wanted, he was so desperate to complete his mission, and he knows that he could only do that with the help of his Father. Jesus knew he was to do his bit, and he was totally relying on God the Father to do his bit. And so it's important for us to be reminded that God cares about our circumstances. He cares about what we're going through right now. He wants to be involved. He wants to be included. He wants to be invited in to that place. We can't get through without his help. And so there's never a bad time to pray. It's always a good time to pray. But it takes humility, doesn't it? And that's hard. That's hard for us guys to lower our pride, to lift off that bravado and say, God, can you come and help? But as we do that, do you know what? We get this fresh revelation that God is with us. 
He's always been with us. That God's for us. That God is the God of the impossible. That God is the God of the miraculous. He can turn things around. He thrives on bringing life from death. He thrives on bringing new from old, of strength from weakness. He is waiting for us to say, God, would you help? God, would you come in? I need you. Jesus prays. And so can we. James, where is he? You can come and start playing, buddy. (laughs) Now, personally, I never, ever thought in my wildest dreams, I don't know if I'd ever be dreaming about preaching, but in my wildest dreams that I'd ever preach a series on prayer. This isn't something that Pastor Jace, before he went away, he's like, Ben, you need to preach on prayer. No, God spoke to me about this. The reason I never, ever thought that I'd preach on this is because for many years as a Christian, I just felt like prayer was an obligation. It was stale and dry and just something that you had to do because you're a Christian. And my theology on prayer was pretty warped because I'm like, why would an all-powerful, all-knowing God need some little ant like me to actually whinge and nag and then he'll do something? You won't find that in any theology books. (laughs) And I was kind of like, I'm just going to get on with it. I'm just going to kind of do good works and, and, and I'm trust that God's with me. But it's interesting that through that, through me just working, through me just doing good works without God being included, these attitudes rose. My heart started being wooed by other things. And I realized that something actually needed a shift. I realized that my prayer life was actually pretty shallow. It was malfunctioning. It was sporadic. And as a result, so too was my surrender to God. I've since discovered that my good works without God's power and wisdom and guidance received through a a prayer life, those good works were actually very limited. I've since discovered that prayer keeps my heart. Ah, really? And my attitudes, sweet and in tune with Him. I've had to humble myself time and time again. But my marriage, my parenting have been significantly impacted by prioritizing prayer for the good. (laughs) Wouldn't be a great testimony if it was the opposite, eh? Jesus prays. My anger and my lust, my loose tongue and my laziness, my lack of self-control and many other weaknesses have been dealt with and turned into strengths through prayer. The next steps for me at different junctions of my journey have been made clear in prayer. And God has done these things. It's God who has done these things. But what I've had to do is I've had to position myself and give time and space for him to come and do it. And there's no other word for that than through prayer. Two key things that I did to kickstart this fresh intentionality of prayer in my life was number one, I diarized time with God. I had this notion, I just want to be you know, spontaneous with God. I want it to be this romantic, just love relationship where I just hang out with God. It doesn't work. 
any relationship that is important to us, we need to be intentional about. And so I diarized time with God most days of the week. It was locked in. My kids know the times. My wife knows the times. And I'm getting to know the times. The other thing I did was, it's just really simple, but I started walking and praying. I just actually got moving. There's something about being out in nature. There's something about moving and just going and hanging out with God, going for a walk with God that did something in me in terms of my prayer with God. And so around the lake, along the coast, through the bush with the kangaroos, just anywhere I would go walking. I do go walking and it might not work for all of us, but it definitely works for me. Here are some other little things that have helped. Scheduling a weekly time of prayer with my wife every Monday night. Engaging with fasting as a tool to help keep that dependence on God high. Not my particular favorite. I've memorized and declared scripture in prayer. I've prayed with the gift of tongues in prayer, which has been so helpful to build my faith. I've read books on prayer, things, books like Timothy Keller, Prayer, and Adam McHugh, The Listening Life, have been so helpful in, in just getting a fresh perspective on the power of prayer. Having praise and worship music on has helped me to enter into a deeper connection with God. But this area in my life that I was skeptical about, this area in my life that was a weakness, it's now become an area of strength. I'm not there yet. It's not perfected. I've still got such a long way to go. But if there's hope for me, (laughs) there's hope for us all. So wherever we're at on this prayer journey, this season, this series is an opportunity for fresh focus, for fresh power, for fresh passion to be injected into our personal prayer life. Why don't we close our eyes? I just want to take this moment right now for you to pray what do you want to say to God what do you want to say what's on your heart is it a God help me right now is it a God I've kind of wandered off and I need you to align me afresh with your purposes is it God I've totally lost the relationship deal with with prayer and I'm I want that to come upon afresh in my life. Is it God, this situation I'm facing right now is really difficult and challenging, but God, I'm going to, by faith, declare that you would be glorified in that situation. Just take the next few moments. To pray.
God, I thank you that you hear our prayers. I thank you that through Jesus and all he's done, a way has opened up for closeness and intimacy and connection with you. So God, I pray that a fresh boldness and a fresh faith would rise in us as your people to come before you, to not be ashamed, but to come before you and encounter your love afresh, to take hold of your purpose. Help us, God, on this journey of prayer. Thanks so much for joining us here on our podcast. We encourage you to let this word further help you live and share the life to the full that Jesus gives. If you want to check out more about our upcoming events, service times, locations, or to give online, go to c3hh.com.au.